Intro time, combo nation. Turn the volume up, turn the gain up, turn the levels up. Wait, everything seems up, up, up. Can't stop, won't stop. We're here, man. Combo nation, so nice we did it twice. <laughs> what is up, everyone? And welcome to episode 406 of Combos Court. And I am Combo. If you would like to receive bonus Combos Court content, Check out the Combos Court Patreon page. I'll leave a link in the description for that. And don't forget to rate, review, and you know it, man. Punch down on that subscribe button wherever you tune in to the show. Today's episode, Anthony Irwin of the Silver Screen and Roll joins in to talk Lakers basketball. He shares his takeaways from Media Day, Darvin Ham's focus, and of course, Russell Westbrook. Intro music. Bye. Luca beats. Let's get into it. Luca, don't do it to him. Anthony Irwin of the Silver Screen and Roll. Welcome to Combos Court, man. How you feeling today? You know, I can't complain, man. Just uh, just enjoying the last few days. Lakers have their first preseason game here in about five days or so. So just enjoying the calm before the storm. Well, before preseason games, you know there's always media day. What were some of your biggest takeaways? Oh, I, I thought it was funny. There was there was certainly a faction of the organization who was trying to put their best face on and say that, you know, they're committed to the guys that are there and they can't wait to see how everybody meshes. And and Russell Westbrook is is a, a, a welcome presence within uh, the team and the organization. And then there was Russell Westbrook himself, who was like, like you know, it is what it is. <laughs> We're all going to try to make it work. We all have we all have those employees or those coworkers that we aren't particularly fond of, and it seems like I'm that guy. And and uh, it was funny to see that kind of juxtaposition there between the two two factions. He didn't have the greatest season last season, but do you feel that some of the criticism around NBA Twitter, around NBA Nation, was unfair? I mean, the stats don't look horrible, but from the beginning, I always said that he needed to play that Bruce Brown type role, and he never really embraced that. Maybe that of like a small ball five or something. And people thought I was crazy when I said that because Russell Westbrook, you know, he's mm -hmm. a former MVP. But I definitely felt like that was the role he had to embrace. With that said, do you think some of the criticism, even though he didn't buy in, do you feel that some of that criticism was unfair? So it kind of depends, right? I always I always am a little iffy about like judging analysis because it just depends always on like, who you're listening to, who you're reading and who I'm listening to, who I'm reading. Right. So true. Um, but like, you know, generally speaking, I, I do think, I do think the noise around Russell Westbrook is a little too loud. Um, everything went wrong for the Lakers last year. Injuries. I thought LeBron as a leader was, was pretty poor last year. Anthony Davis, even when he was healthy, um, especially at the beginning of the year, didn't look like himself. Frank Vogel, I thought coached a really poor season. Um, mm. And, and, now, do I think Russell Westbrook helped overcome some of those things? Probably not. But but yeah, I think when people, you know, when, when people try to say that, you know, everything 
went wrong because of Russell Westbrook and only Russell Westbrook, I would say that's that's a few steps too far. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, if AD was healthy for the entirety of last season, Russell Westbrook might have not gotten all of this negative mm-hmm. attention, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it it all does kind of come back to health. And, you know, I, look, Anthony Davis shot 18% from three-point range last year. Like, that's just not a good season. That's that's that, you know, if he's going to play power forward in a yeah. modern NBA setting, you got to shoot better than that. You, 18% is bad by stand center standards. That's by that's bad by like 1995 center standards. <laughs> it was just it was not a good season for him in that regard. Um, I think he he kind of Anthony uh, kind of screwed up when it came to his approach to the season. He was anticipating playing five more. And according to, you know, his own words, he bulked up and tried to 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 save himself some of some of the wear and tear by being bigger. But Anthony Davis is special because he's a wing in a big man's body. Right. He's he he's too fast for bigger centers and he's mm-hmm. too too big for smaller centers. That's that's when he's at his best. So when he kind of slowed himself down and bulked himself up, it kind of took away from what makes him special. So, yeah, I think he had. You know, LeBron um, had, a you know, obviously by 38 year old standards, a spectacular season on the court. But when it comes to, you know, being the voice who says the thing and 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 kind of grabs the team by the by the face mask and gets everybody going in the right direction. I don't think he did that particularly well. So the, there's plenty of blame to go around when you win 35 or 37 wins he, that, and, and Russ catches his his amount, too. Yeah, I mean, AD didn't seem to come into the season in the best condition. Neither did Luca or Harden, for that matter. I always kind of put those three in the same category because mm-hmm. if they come into the season in shape, it's a totally different story. Luca usually defies the odds and plays at an MVP level eventually, no matter what. And I think he'll be the MVP this season. Mm-hmm. With that said, um, do you feel Anthony Davis will come into the season in the best of condition and the best of shape? Yeah, I certainly hope so. The Lakers certainly hope so. That's I think, you know, when we talk about the most important factors for this upcoming season after health, it's how Anthony Davis plays. You know, you know what you're going to get from LeBron. He's going to be LeBron. He's going to be special. Darvin Ham is already saying that he doesn't think LeBron is of this world. Right. But um, Anthony Davis, you know, he's LeBron kind of sets your floor. AD sets their ceiling. And if he comes in um, in yeah. shape and focused on playing a modern center type of role where like, even, even if he isn't playing center necessarily, like he might start at power forward, but he's probably going to be starting next to Thomas Bryant who plays more of a four anyway. So if AD is focused on the right things and comes in and if he hears all the noise, it was only two seasons ago <laughs> that he was being talked about as like potentially the or close to the best player in the league. And you mm-hmm. look at ESPN's rankings, which are always flawed, but, but he's like a, he's, he's barely in the top 20, according to ESPN. That's a pretty precipitous drop for somebody in his prime in only two seasons time. You mentioned the words floor and ceiling. And I think it, what's interesting about this Lakers team is because there's a very high variance in where they could end up. I mean, you have <laughs> AD and LeBron, so that gives you a chance to win the title but you wouldn't be surprised if they're a playing team as well. Yeah. I mean, that's basically what I said heading into last season too, where I said, look, anything could happen. The spectrum of things that could have happened last year 
was about as wide as I've ever experienced in my life, not just in my career, but in my life. I, I don't recall a Lakers team that could either fight to get into the play-in or potentially win a championship. Now, I I don't think this team can win a championship as currently okay. built, even despite having LeBron and AD like that. And, and honestly, like that to me is the, the, the biggest statement against the job that the front office did this year is all, their goal should have just been, Hey, put a roster around LeBron and AD that gives them a puncher's chance at winning a championship. And, you know, they didn't do it. And, and now look, I just finished saying a second ago that uh, I think Russ catches too much criticism so I don't mean this as a as a as a statement against Russ specifically as a basketball player. But when you have forty seven million dollars devoted to one player who you can't quite predict what he's going to do on either side of the ball, that makes it really difficult for you to fill out the rest of the roster, especially when the rest of the roster has two other max guys in LeBron and AD. Right. That means. Mm -hmm. All of your other assets, essentially, all of your contract spots from there from that point on are minimum guys. And all of minimum is in, in the NBA is a, a dart thrown in the dark. So uh I thought that the Lakers needed to trade needed to trade Russell Westbrook this year, not just because of the fit with him and AD and LeBron, which I, I have questions about, but also because they needed to 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 disperse talent around the roster, around you know, they they're starting five right now is probably going to feature Patrick Beverly and Russell Westbrook. That's a really small backcourt. And then their, their bench lineups are probably going to have two more small guards in them. And they don't really have a primary wing stopper um, that isn't LeBron or Anthony Davis. And that puts a lot of wear and tear on those guys' bodies too. So I, I, I think their, their, their highest range of expectations should maybe be like second round of the playoffs. And, and I could see them failing to make it all over again this year. Was trading Russ easier said than done? Seems like it. I, it seems like it for sure. I mean, look, not many teams are interested in in taking on $47 million of Russell Westbrook at this stage of his career. Like, you know, this is something that the Lakers didn't, this is a reality that they didn't really want to come to grips with. But when I was talking to people around the league and I was asking what his market might be, the most resounding answer that I got was like, what market? Why would, why would Russell Westbrook have a market coming off of last season? Um, and again, it's not necessarily about him, the player, it's about him, the contract. And when you have $47 million devoted to, to one player like that, that's, that's very difficult. Well, he, well, here's an interesting, here's an interesting question. If let's say he somehow signed hypothetically a veterans minimum, what team could he help? That, that list is short too, because yeah. especially with the NBA, uh, I would say the most talented position in the NBA is probably in that guard combo guard. There's just more people on earth who are that 100%. like six, three, six, four type build. You know, there's, there's the occasional freak and, and, like Giannis. And now you have to be that height and be able to guard multiple positions to even stay on the floor, which makes it even tougher right? <laughs> and hit threes. Yeah. 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 And, you know? And, and so, yeah, I, I just think, um, you know, in, in the NBA in 2022, it's it's easy to find players at his position who do things that are more predictable at that at that contract range. Now, what's going to be interesting, I still think at some point this year, he's probably going to be traded because mm. 
the guard rotation is too cramped for the Lakers. They're saying like Rob Polinka is out there saying that Patrick Beverly is a three and D wing. He's six, two. <laughs> what, what wing is he guarding? <laughs> right, um, right, right. And, and so like, if he's, if, if he'll you know, try, Lakers, but he'll just foul out. Oh, no, I mean, I'm not, it's again, <laughs> like Patrick's going to, he's going to try. Yeah. He's going to compete. Yeah. Dennis is going to compete. Um, the Lakers are going to, I think in general, compete at a higher level than they did last year for Darvin Ham and because of the nature of the players that they have on their team. But there's only so much you can do when you're that height. Like basketball, you know, height really matters in basketball. You know, it, 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 I, I'm, I myself am 5'10", and over the entirety of my lifetime when I was still playing, you know, it was always an uphill battle trying to go up against anybody who was like 6'1 and up because at the end of the day, that's two extra inches that I have to make up for in every aspect of the game, everywhere. And and now you're thinking that a 6'2 Patrick Beverly is going to go out there and compete on the wing with guys who are 6'8, 6'9. That's just that math doesn't quite act, add up to me. So I I do think Russ is probably going to be traded and they're going to go out and get, you know, hopefully move him for some help on the wing. And then at that point, whatever team he lands on probably buys him out and his market at that stage uh, where everybody's cap is already filled is going to be really interesting. You know, Washington comes to mind because they are kind of thin in the backcourt out there. Oklahoma city isn't trying to win anyway. So why not bring him in and have that story take place? And, you know, Shea is kind of banged up, I guess, at the beginning of the season already. So, Maybe they're mm. they're they're in the 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 Wimbanyana sweepstakes. Like, like the he, he could be like the OKC ambassador. Yeah, yeah, the the the, <laughs> the uh, Udonis Haslam of of, OK, of OKC. I um, don't think I don't, I, I, I'm not sure Russ is ready to be the Udonis Haslam of OKC, but um, <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> you mentioned Darvin Ham a few times now. There's only yeah. 30 spots in the NBA in terms of being a head coach. Um perspective it's very hard to become a nba head coach and to become an nba head coach you have to be a great coach in my opinion mm -hmm. as a great coach you always have focus what do you believe darvin ham's focus will be this season in terms of what he's saying you know it's it's or interesting from, or from what he's saying i should say yeah i so i mean you want the basketball answer or do you want like the human being answer because i think those are two separate things the, the basketball answer he wants the lakers to get out there and defend and defend hard and get out on the break, whether it's in transition or semi-transition and allow LeBron, the greatest transition player that the league has ever seen, go out there and try to elevate the a, a fairly thin roster that way. Um, but I think more importantly, as a human being and as a, like a leader of men, that's the thing I'm most interested in with Darvin is, you know, when the Lakers were getting ready to hire him and I was asking people, you know, whether it was people who covered teams that Darwin was around or people who worked for those teams when Darwin was there. Um, I was just asking, like, what kind of guy is is Darwin? And and they said he does not take any BS. Right. I don't know if I can cuss on here, but it was just like they he does not take any crap from anybody. And if something needs to be said, he's going to say it. He's not going to mince words. He's not going to beat around the bush. He's going to say what needs to be said. But he's also going to be your biggest fan when you do the things that he that you need to do like i think that's something that especially college coaches miss out on the most i think and and it, like high school coaches especially they're really good at, at criticizing and beating breaking people down and doing all those things and being super hard and, and 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 all those things on their players but the special coaches are the ones 
who do that, but also match that energy on the positive side of things. And I think with Darwin, his ability to say what needs to be said in very few words in ways that that you know NBA players can relate to uh, is is probably the the most interesting and and uh, exciting thing that the Lakers have going for them in 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 this upcoming season. I wanted to ask you, do you think you could get Russ to buy in? But I think we should get off Russ at this point. And I want to yeah. shift. Um, I want to shift to Schroeder because it was really interesting that he landed back on this team. Were you surprised when you heard it? Yes and no. Uh, the Lakers were tied to Schroeder as recently as this last trade deadline. They were kind of interested in bringing him back. Mm. I think everybody there was, you know, kind of recognized that everybody screwed that situation up. Um, Schroeder, you know, everybody, everybody laughs at the $84 million that he passed up on. What's funny about that situation is the Lakers would be in a better spot right now. Had they just paid Dennis Schroeder, the 84 million too, because they wouldn't have traded for Russ, right? Mm -hmm. You you don't, you wouldn't allocate that many resources to that position at that stage. So I think everybody there just kind of looks at it. And I think Schroeder was pretty immature when he basically arrives at a championship team and says, no, I will not come off the bench. I am starting. Sure, go sit over there, Alex Caruso, who started in 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 a in a title uh, deciding game. Go sit over there. Dennis Schroeder is here. I think he regrets that. I think the, that rubs some people in the Lakers organization the wrong way. And, you know, we've seen how his career has gone, where uh, his market completely dried up. And he has said himself that this is time to show everybody that I've matured, I've matured and I want to make it here work here in particular. Um, the only question is whether he he'll get enough opportunity to do that, given that the Lakers have roughly 37 people, his size. Yeah. A lot of point guards. A I, lot guess, of them. I guess they were thinking that Russ wasn't going to be here when they made mm-hmm. some of these roster moves, right? Yeah. It, the, the way that I kind of describe it is they, they seem to have carried out their off season as if the one thing, you know, they, they had one thing in mind that they were going to do. And then they never got around to the one thing, <laughs> you know, they, it was like, all right, we, we'll, we'll go out and sign Lonnie Walker to the only non-minimum contract that we can offer this year. Uh, he plays guard. We'll uh, trade THT for Patrick Beverly. Uh, well, he plays guard. We have Kendrick Nunn coming back from injury. Well, he plays guard. Um, and then now they go out and they signed in a shooter when they signed in a shooter. I was like, all right, this is done. They, they probably made their decision here on Russell Westbrook. They're, they, you know, they're going to trade him. I thought at the time for buddy healed and for miles Turner. And now you have a guard to make up for it since you're losing one point guard and not getting one back. Um, but then that move never happened. It never transpired. So yeah, I, I was just as confused as anybody when, when media days showed up and they were like, yeah, we're going to dimensional dimensionalize our roster with all of these guards is the word that Rob Polinka used. And I'm just like, well, sure. But height matters in basketball guys. We saw this last year. Yeah. I mean, I guess they have more good players on their roster now that have proven they could help you win regular mm-hmm. season and playoff games. The only thing is, is that the fit isn't right. And yeah. it wasn't right last season and it's still not right. Right. Like last season. And, and basically since Polinka has gotten there, it, you could basically look at all of the moves that Polinka has has made, right? And you can say, in a vacuum, that is at least explicable. 
right? If you just if you just isolate every single move down to the move itself and no, not look at anything else around it. But this isn't baseball. You know, baseball, you can you can have a right fielder and a center fielder who wouldn't necessarily make the most sense playing together, but who cares? Like all that matters is does he hit when the other guy's on base? Cool. Does will they not run into each other when they're out there on the field together? Cool. Then that's all that really matters in baseball. It's it's essentially a team of individual uh players. And basketball, though, basketball's jazz. Every everybody plays off of each other, and uh you can't isolate every decision that a front office makes into their own vacuums, because at the end of the day, that roster is going to have to fit together. And, you know, I think that's been the biggest shortcoming of Palenka's tenure is, is his inability to fit all of these moves in together. Has Pat Beverly at least made things even more interesting just from his personality? I mean, I love what he did with Minnesota. I felt like he had tremendous yeah. impact on that. And from their side of things, I hope some of what he brought sticks with them, even when he's gone. Absolutely. Do you, think, do you think he could do some of that for the Lakers locker room, even though LeBron is such a huge figure there? It's a little bit different than Minnesota, right, where they don't have anybody like LeBron. So do you feel he could do the same thing for the Lakers? Well, what's funny, though, is like LeBron is – the biggest voice in the room when he right. wants to speak up, but he's not really that kind of a leader. Like he's, he's more of a sit back and passively improve the situation around him as best he can. But he's not really the guy who grabs a timeout and grabs a clipboard and pulls everybody in. You know, he's not that raw, raw guy. And I would say he's more of a thinker. Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah. yeah. He, and, 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 you know, it's funny. One way to look at it is, is, you know, he relies on, on leadership around him. The other way to look at it is like, he's very good at, at, at just being a people person and, and, and figuring out, taking his time and figuring out, all right, that player is better when I speak directly to him. Whereas this other group of players do better if I lead by example. Right. But you do sometimes need that really loud voice in the room as a player, especially who just says what needs to be said. And sometimes he'll put his foot in his mouth. Patrick Beverly is going to, on occasion, cross the line and piss some people off in that locker room. But I think more often than not, over the course of his career, the results are there. He's a winner. He The teams that, yeah. he, is, he, that he is on are always in the playoffs. Sure, he hasn't won a, uh, won a ring to this point. I think some of that has to do with you know his own lack of creating skills as a point guard. And the fact that sometimes he does piss off the other team's best player in, in a way that, that doesn't really help your team. But at the end of the day, he is, I do think he he is a welcome voice. He will be a welcome voice in a locker room that that didn't really have that that bleep you mentality. Yeah, I feel like you're uh making things seem more optimistic because like even though maybe the basketball nerd glasses that you could put on and look at this team and say it's not a good fit you still have ad you still have lebron if they're in great shape and then you add a winner like pat bev dennis shooter is a plus nba player i mean i feel like something great could happen there if uh if all goes well right I, like i said i i have once again i have no idea how this is going to play out i it could everything fall into place and they go on this crazy run and be like the only team that can actually say nobody believed in us. Yeah. I think that, that, yeah. that could potentially happen. Um, but I also think, you know, LeBron is nearing 40 years old and Anthony Davis hasn't been healthy now for two straight seasons. And yeah. Russell Westbrook, uh, who, 
you know, really relied heavily on athleticism over the course of his career is clearly on a downward trajectory in that regard. Um, so like they could fall well short of lowered expectations too. I, I, I don't know, but um, one thing, one thing that is different this year than last year is they do have the assets to improve the situation. Um, if things start slowly uh, last year, they only had one first round pick and they didn't have any real contracts that could be moved um, without affecting the rotation uh, this year. They're still kind of tied up because of the, the, because of Russ's contract, but they do have first round two first round picks that they can move. Russ's contract will uh, go down in the amount that it, it costs to whatever team is landing him over the course of the season because of prorates. Um, and, and uh, that, that might, make it so that another owner is more open to trading for a player who he's eventually going to waive anyway. Um, so like, I, I don't think, I don't think this season will be as bad as last year. I, you know, unless, unless injuries happen, then, you know, you're just kind of screwed anyway. But if injuries don't happen, this is a better team. This is a better collection of people who, who will care about the little things um, in ways that guys on the Lakers didn't last year. LeBron is widely considered number one or number two all time, depending on who you ask besides Paul Pierce, maybe. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, what do you think it means for him when, what do you think it will mean for him when he breaks Kareem's record? Man, I, I remember as a kid, I remember as a kid saying to myself, you know, well, Michael Jordan obviously leads the league in scoring. Duh. Like, of course he does. Like this is the, mm -hmm. that's the greatest player that anybody has ever really seen. And then to find out that no, Michael Jordan doesn't lead the league in scoring. Actually, it's this guy Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and also Kareem is like thousands and thousands of points ahead of Michael Jordan. So I thought this record was unbreakable. Chick Hearn um, is on the record in the telecast when when Kareem retired, saying he scored more points than anybody who has ever picked up a basketball, and he has a record that will remain unbroken for all of time. Right. Uh, so I. I agreed with Chick Hearn at the time. And, and it's still wild to me that, that LeBron is not just on the verge of, of breaking the record, but has years plural left on his, on his career yeah. after he breaks the record. So, right. uh, you know, it's another thing that I, I know he really cares about. There's a possibility and I would probably bet pretty good money on him breaking that record at MSG this year. I think if he averages like 25 ish points a game, game number 53 or so is in New York. And if he needs 40, he's going to get 40. Yeah. That's, that's the <laughs> night I would probably say he probably does it. He loves doing big things in, in MSG. So um, I, I, yeah, it's, it's, it's just another thing that, you know, it's, it, it's so easy to take greatness for, for granted, you know, and, and over the course of LeBron's career playing in this era of Twitter and debate TV um, oh, the debates are coming back once he breaks it, you know. Oh, that. for sure. Well, yeah. I, but I, the, the debates aren't ever going anywhere ever. Well, like, they, they they like <laughs> spike when like certain yeah. things happen, right? Like, yeah. When the when the MJ doc came out, they spiked. When LeBron yeah. breaks the record, they'll spike. <laughs> Absolutely. So so I you know, but but like over the course course of his career, it's been so easy to take him for granted, and just the idea that this guy's about to do that, and he's not really perceived as a scorer. And not only is he going to lead the league in 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 scoring, but he's up there amongst lead leaders and uh, league leaders in in assists too. <laughs> and like this guy, he's he's you know for my money the best player I've ever seen. I was born in '86, mm. so I saw 
I saw Michael play. Um, although the, my memory of it is is somewhat fuzzy, being that I was like ten years old in his right. prime. Um, but but you know, for everything that LeBron does on the court, he's bigger, he's faster, he's he can shoot better. Like this guy is just he's just insane. And mm-hmm. the fact that somebody is in that conversation with Michael and somebody is about to break this record here with Kareem, it, it's just it's regard it's remarkable. Uh, what he's been able to do over the course of his career. Anthony, last thing, what have you made of the Hulu doc and winning time? Cause I watched two episodes of the Hulu doc and I watched winning time in its entirety. I'm not even a big TV show guy, but mm-hmm. I felt like I really wanted to watch that. The portrayal of some of the characters in winning time was crazy, especially <laughs> Jerry West. Jerry West was absolutely ridiculous. Like I know yeah. Jerry West wasn't actually acting like that. So uh, what were your thoughts on the doc and winning time? Yeah. I So I, started watching the doc um i watched the first two episodes and and stopped watching it i just recently had a baby so i was oh, in the congrats. hospital thank you i was i was in the hospital and i didn't have anything else to watch so i started watching the the doc and it is better than than um i thought it was going to be the okay the uh winning time show though i thought was fantastic you know did they 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 took some they they, <laughs> they Riley was Riley was fantastic with Jerry Buss. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I really like Magic's dad in in mm. in Winning Time too. I think the the actor who yeah. does that is doing a great job there. Magic, I think Magic, Magic was great. Magic himself has been yeah. really entertaining. It's right. funny, like Jerry West has a big problem and was ready to sue HBO over his portrayal. And and I get it, like you know, making him look to be an alcoholic and 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 as angry as he looks to be. Um, I, I do think they they went they crossed a couple lines there with West, but also over the course of the season, West, I thought, was one of the most interesting characters because you saw a ton of growth from him. You saw you saw him at the beginning and you're like, OK, yeah, this guy is offensive. <laughs> this guy sucks. And then by the end of the by the end of the um, by the end of this first season, you're kind of like, you know what? I kind of get where West was coming from. Of course, of course West was pissed at at. at not winning enough against those Celtics. Of course he hates that team. Speaking of the Celtics, Larry Bird's character was hilarious. In that. <laughs> like when he was pop, when he was popping in on a TV screens, looking at people in the living room, like yeah. chewing his um dip, man, that was yeah. just hilarious. hilarious. Shows up with a Budweiser, like at the podium. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I think, look, I think uh winning time was what it was. It's a TV show. It's not a yeah, documentary. It's true. It's and, true. and like, there were going to be some spots where, they make some choices to make things seem more interesting than they necessarily might have been. But also like a lot of the stuff that, that um, people are kind of going insane over there's it's documented in Jeff Perlman's Showtime book. Uh, And, and so like, yeah, I think, I think I can understand why the people being portrayed would be annoyed or upset at the way that they were being portrayed. But as far as like it being a TV show, I found it entertaining. And that's kind of the point. Anthony, great stuff. Great insights on the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, you're always welcome back on the show. Where can we find your work? Where can we find your podcast? Uh, you just Google Silver Screen and Roll. Find it everywhere that you listen to your podcasts. Um, I'm on Twitter at Anthony Irwin LA. Uh, and, and you'll see the occasional clip from shows on there. Silverscreenroll.com is where all of the stuff gets written up as well. So yeah, all that, uh, all that good stuff. If you enjoyed this, most definitely. Thanks, Anthony. You're always welcome back on the show. Talk soon. Thank you very much for the invite, man. Anytime.
There it is, another episode of Combos Court. Truly appreciate the continued support. Thank you to everyone who listens to the show across the globe. Big shouts to Anthony for joining in. We appreciate you. Combo Nation, if you would like to receive bonus Combos Court content, check out the Combos Court Patreon page. I'll leave a link in the description for that. Also, rates, review, and punch down on that subscribe button. Share this episode. Share with a friend. Share it on your IG stories and tag me on there at one two combo. That's O N E T W O C O M B O. Be on the lookout for episode four o seven combo out. <laughs>